Today's podcast is sponsored by Inner Professional Online Training Programs. With courses geared specifically for legendary leaders, Inner Professional provides an extraordinary catalog of leadership and professional development programs unlike any online training you've experienced before. Hone your conscious and authentic leadership skills with peer group, networking communities, direct engagement with life experts, and a wealth of compelling, easy to engage on demand content. Learn more at kathleenmerkel.com slash innerprofessional. Hello and welcome to Legendary Leaders, the podcast. My name is Kathleen Merkel and I'm the host of the show. And together with a wide range of legendary leaders themselves and experts in the field of self-leadership, we are going to explore concepts and ideas that show you how you can move past your fears, negative self-talk and constant doubts in order to encourage you to becoming a legendary leader yourself with far more natural impact, influence and inspiration. So are you ready for it? Well, welcome once again to Legendary Leaders, the podcast. Hello and welcome to today's show. Happy to have you all here and happy again to have a brilliant guest with me. Her name is Lindsay Pinchuk and she's an award-winning entrepreneur, consultant and so much more like a community builder, a connector, storyteller, expert, marketeer, social media, may even spokesperson, on-air expert, small business champion and a mom of two wonderful girls. We're actually talking quite a bit about how to bring motherhood with building businesses and supporting other businesses together. But also, actually, she created some amazing success by becoming a mom because with only $500 in her pocket and a baby in her belly, she left a high-powered job as a magazine publishing executive and founded her first company, Bump Club and Beyond. That's a community of resources, support and educational tools for millions of parents and parents-to-be across the country. Country. She turned a profit in year one, growing her company to seven figures in revenue each year and her community to over three million users. Less than a decade later, she led her company through its acquisition to a large agency holding company. Sounds pretty simple and straightforward, doesn't it? But of course, it wasn't. It was, as Lindsay would say, hard work. It was tough to make the decision to actually sell the business as well. But she also explains very openly and authentically why she did that, what drove her to make this decision, and then also how she followed her intuition and why it is so important to follow your gut. Quite often we know very, very deeply inside of us what the right path is. However, our rational mind might get in, in our way. And she actually said, no, here the time has come to move on and to do something very, very differently. Today, Lindsay works with individuals, brands and companies, both large and small, to tell their brand stories growing the communities who support them and ignite their success both on and offline. She's super passionate about it and she offers both coaching and consulting services, including business growth, branding, community growth, marketing, content, and social media strategy. And that's another topic among so many other ones that we are going to talk about. Social media. You love it, you hate it, Maybe both from time to time, if you are like me, sometimes you love it, sometimes you hate it, and you love it again, then you distance yourself from it. But she explains in a very simple way why it is so important and how we can take the overwhelm away from social media and from posting regularly on social media, from showing up for our communities and how we can actually build the communities through social media. And as of January 2022, so very fresh in the market, you can also find her behind the mic interviewing some of the most incredible female entrepreneurs she knows during her weekly podcast, Dear Founder. And I have to correct myself, she actually interviewed a few male entrepreneurs as well who have some super valuable insights into entrepreneurship and how to support other women. So please tune in. We are going to post the links, obviously, in the show notes as well. But for now, let's dive into today's episode. Please do enjoy and I speak to you in a moment again. Hey, Lindsay, I'm so, so delighted to have you here on the show today. Welcome to you. How are you doing? I am good. Thank you so much for having me. There, there was no question for me to have you. 
because you have so many stories to tell, which is kind of your profession as well to help other people do that. <laughs> but in, seriously, I mean, this podcast is called Legendary Leaders. And Legendary Leaders, for me, just a little bit of what I believe Legendary Leaders are, are people who are able to positively lead themselves who really listen to their inner voices, who think about what impact they have, what their behaviors have on others, but also people who take charge of their lives, you know, who make decisions where other people might say, oh my God, that's far too bold. I wouldn't do that. But who really want to live, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And there is really no other option for me. You know, I mean, I... I think I've gotten better at making bold decisions. You know, it's, it's hard at first. And I think it's really hard when you announce something to the world, that's a bold decision mm -hmm. and it still is hard, obviously, but I've gotten better at it. Yeah. And one of the bold decisions was that you're going to launch a podcast, your first own podcast. And I know podcasting is obviously spread widely in the world at the moment, but running a podcast myself it still requires thought. It requires you to put yourself out there, right? So first of all, congratulations. Thank you so much. Thank you. And, and second of all, tell us a little bit about it. What's the title of it? What message do you want to convey to the world? Yeah. So, you know, so I, I started a company 12 years ago um, with $500 and I grew that company It was one of the premier networks for parents and parents to be in the United States. And I grew that company to be about 3 million users per month. And um, it was a seven figure per year business. And I, I sold that company. I sold it in 2019. And then I ended up working for the company for two and a half years who bought me. And I, I always, I wanted to start a podcast for a very long time for so many different reasons. At one point, people were telling me to start a podcast for parenting because I am considered a parenting expert. But I knew that a podcast was a lot of work. And I, I didn't really necessarily feel I had the support at my new company to do the podcast there. And I also didn't want to start a podcast and have to leave it if I eventually left this company. Mm -hmm. Part of my role at the company that I founded, which was called Bump Club, was all of our content. It was all of our content, all of our social media. And we talked a lot to parents and parenting experts and celebrity parents and influencer parents. And so I did spend a lot of time um, interviewing people. And that that is something that I love to do. I knew that I wanted to start some kind of podcast to interview people and to share stories. Part of kind of my switch was like a year ago from from wanting to explore being, you know, having a parenting podcast to what I'm doing now, which I will share, obviously, but I was listening to how I built this and the founders of soul cycle were on it. And mm -hmm. they mentioned on the podcast, I can't remember which, which one of them it was. Um, it might've been Elizabeth who said, there's no blueprint for selling a business or no handbook for selling a business. And I was like, Oh, like, shit, you're right. Like there, it, there really is no handbook. And I wish I had one. Maybe I should write one. And at the time I was still in my corporate job and I, I didn't feel that I could really embark on that yet. And, and I still don't think that I can not for a couple of years. I think I need to let a lot kind of soak in, but in thinking about it, I thought one step further. And that was, well, there really is no handbook or blueprint for founding a business. And there are so many stories and bits of information and lessons that I've learned from other founders over the years who largely, you know, these, these lessons that I learned came from me asking and, and talking to people. And, you know, you don't necessarily just get them by osmosis, right? Like you have to ask for, for the tips and for the lessons. And I said, you know what? There really is no podcast out there that specifically talks and shares founding stories from successful female entrepreneurs. And that's what I wanted to do. So my podcast is called Dear Found Her. And we are sharing stories of entrepreneurs. They have mostly been women. I have interviewed a couple of men that will be coming up that I feel have a lot to offer. Um, I'm not being gender biased. I feel like they have a lot to offer and also have done a lot to support women. And that I think is really important for any of my guests. So every week I'm going to be picking the brain of 
a contact of mine or someone who I know or someone who I was introduced to Mm -hmm. on how they started their business and lessons they learned and not just the ups, because I think that all too often we only hear the ups, right? Mm -hmm. Like, and as someone who is a, is founding a business, you don't want to share your vulnerability. You don't want to put your failures out there. And this isn't a podcast by any means about failures. However, it's a realistic podcast. And when you have a business of your own, everything isn't rainbows and unicorns Mm -hmm. all the time. It's, you know, there are ups and downs. And I think it's so important to share those because there were so many times when I was along my journey, founding and selling my company that I was in a down and I felt like no one understood what I was going through. And I felt very alone. And I think it is so important to share those stories to one, help lift people up to let people know they're not alone and three, help people learn from them. Oh, 100%. And it, it supports other people just to open up as well. Like I said, after now nearly two years of some sort of lockdowns, working from home a lot, whereby the nature of my work is to be at and about quite a bit. I said to my partner a few weeks ago, I really miss the sense of belonging, belonging to a team, working with other people or having a banter in the kitchen or whatever it is. Really miss that. And you know what? That too is something there are so many solopreneurs out there and so many more now coming I don't know if we're coming out of the pandemic. I don't really know how to even Mm -hmm. think about that. But now two years into the pandemic, there are so many people in America who have left their jobs and started their own companies. And I am now a solopreneur again. And to your point, I don't have a team. So even when I had a team before I left my company, I still felt kind of alone because I was physically alone every day and not going into an office. But now I don't have a team. I don't have someone to bounce ideas off of, but I do have an amazing network and an amazing community. And like I, for example, I'm about to launch a marketing boot camp workshop. And last night I sent it to a friend of mine who's also a solopreneur. And I said, what do you, what do you think? Like, would you take this? And she was like, hell yes. You know, <laughs> and she gave me such good feedback though about it and about getting the word out. But you have to know also and, and be comfortable capitalizing on your relationships in your community, mm-hmm. whichever community that is, whether it's your audience or your peers. Yeah. And even though I don't have an office every day, to your point, you don't have to be lonely. You can surround yourself with people who you trust, who are also going through the same thing as you. And that too is something that I am really trying to push with the Dear Founder podcast. Like we have a community on Facebook where people can go and ask questions listen to me talk live a couple times a month and, you know, not feel worried about what people are thinking. That's something I'm really trying to push right now in the community is to, to get the three, 400 people who are in the community to start asking questions and not be shy versus just waiting for me to ask questions because I want them to be comfortable asking each other and talking to each Mm -hmm. other because that's why I've created this community. Mm-hmm. And community is a, is a strong word here. You mentioned it now a few times. How do you build communities around you? you just mentioned Facebook, for example. But um, I mean, there are so many things you do and you've done in your life in the past. How did you do it then? So, yeah, it's interesting. So I built a whole business. My business, Bump Club and Beyond, was built around community. That is truly what it was built on. And when I go back and when I, I'm going to take you back like 12 years, when I started Bump Club, I was I was newly pregnant and I kind of just started talking about my pregnancy. And I planned a couple of events, which is what Bump Club became, was an events-based company. I, I you know, I, I, I created these events so that other pregnant people who were going through what I was going through had somewhere to be pregnant. And when I say be pregnant, I don't mean physically, I mean mentally and like, Mm -hmm. you know, talk about what they were going through. And I have to say that when I think back and look back 12 years, the community formed very organically and it did so because I didn't push and I just was me and I just showed up and I, said, Hey, my feet are swollen or yours. You know, I mean, it was really, I don't even think at the time I realized that I was forming a community, Mm -hmm. but I did inevitably because I just shared. And so 
you know, I think that when I, when I look at businesses today and in my clients too, you know, I, I, with my clients, I'm telling them all the time, you really have to rely on your community. And I use the word community and not audience because an audience is someone who is there who kind of watches you and who takes in what you say. A community is someone who goes back and forth with you and goes back and forth with each other. And as a business owner, I I do think it's important to somewhat have both, but I think it's more important to have a community because your community is going to be engaged with you. They're going to be engaged with each other and inevitably they're going to trust you more and transact with you. And, you know, part of growing that community is putting yourself in it and putting yourself out there and being yourself. I don't have some massive Instagram following. I have, I don't know, maybe 10,000 followers, but well, which is a fair number, but thank you. But it's not like I have a million. Okay. It's not like I have a hundred thousand at bump club. I think when I left, we were at about 65,000 and it was all organic. And that, you know, that came 10 years of events and, you know, showing up a lot. And ironically, when, when I was at bump club, I didn't, focus on my, my personal brand and my personal community. I really focused on bump club. And so I do think that in leaving a lot of people have followed me over to my personal account, which has definitely changed. It's not just me posting pictures of my kids anymore. It's my business account. Now, you know, I show up every day to these people and I always have even at bump club now on Lindsay Pinchuk and occasionally now on dear founder, which is just getting started. But I I am really using that for the podcast and focusing Mm -hmm you know, Lindsay Pinchuk on my community, but I show up every day and I show up sometimes looking like this, sometimes looking like shit, sometimes in my glasses, sometimes without brushing my hair. And I kind of say what's on my mind. And I share things that put me in a vulnerable position. And I think that's really important. And, you know, not everyone's going to agree with me. Not everyone does agree with me. I lose followers all the time when I talk about certain things, but I show up as myself and I'm not going to apologize for that. And so through that, I feel I am forming a community because I have an interaction with the people Mm -hmm. who follow me. Mm -hmm. And it is just so important to have that with your business. I think the last years have made a lot of people think about purpose a wee bit more and about who I am, what I stand for, what's important to me. And there's, there's quite often this note about, I have a certain nervousness, a certain fear about showing up as who I am with all the good and the bad. And you just highlighted the need for it to build those communities and you can apply it to any part of your life. It's it's so vital, so crucial, yet it doesn't come naturally to everybody, depending on our background, how we were raised and all of those topics. So has it always been there for you? If not, how have you developed it? No, it has not always been there for me. And I actually want to say one other thing that I, that I wanted to mention and I didn't. With your community and when you develop your community, when they start to trust you and you engage with them and you implant yourself with them, you can ask them things and you can ask for help and you can ask their opinion on things and they start showing up for you. And it's very interesting. I had it. I interviewed Jill Smokler the other day who she founded Scary Mommy and she had a huge community online. And we together were talking about how in the process of developing the communities that we didn't even realize we were developing, Mm -hmm. we both needed employees, but we didn't have money for employees. And so she and I, I mean, I didn't know this until I got her story the other day, but both had instances in our, in, in developing our companies where we reached out to our community and said, Hey, I need some help moderating some message boards, or I need some help running some events. Does anyone want to work on trade? And that's how I, I hired my first employees at bump club. And that was how she told me she hired her first employees at scary mommy. So I share that. I I just want to I wanted to take what I last said to the next level because Mm -hmm. your community will show up for you when you build them and when you engage with them and when they trust you. And so, you know, I think that's another reason why it's so important is to have that back and forth, but does it come naturally? You know, so when I started bump club, when I think back 12 years ago, and it's, you really kind of have to think about it for a minute, there were no business Facebook pages. 
So like there were no business Facebook pages. Instagram didn't exist for get Snapchat, TikTok. None of that was even a thing. And so there really wasn't the opportunity that there is now to put yourself out there. But at the same time, you know, you kind of did it as you went before and it and, and you got organic reach a lot easier. So I guess like, you know, neither, they both have pros and cons, but I grew up alongside social media and I was doing this and putting myself out there when people weren't. And it might not have, it might've looked weird or strange to people. You know what I mean? Like, different. like now different. Yes. Different. But like now you go on Instagram and everyone's, you know, talking on Instagram. But then it was kind of not like a thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like it was very, very different. So in any event, um, does it show, does it come naturally? I think it comes with practice really and truly. And it comes up with, you have to just kind of rip the bandaid and start doing it. And even when I left Bump Club and started showing up on my personal Instagram and my personal accounts, that was a departure for me. I, when I was doing it at Bump Club, I had, you know, this big Bump Club audience. They knew me as the face of Bump Club. That was my role. And I didn't do that on my personal social media. It, my personal social media was like a place for me to share pictures about my life and my kids. And all of a sudden, I needed to start showing up there to start building my new business. Yeah. And it was a little strange for me at first. And I acknowledged that on Instagram. I said, this is so bizarre for me that I'm like, showing up in my stories. I haven't ever done this, but the more I did it, the easier it got and the easier it gets every day. And I'll be honest, like even now, like going live on my own Instagram is a little daunting. Like I went live yesterday morning. I think only two or three people were watching, but it doesn't matter. You have to do it. And even if no one was watching me live, people watched it later. And it's just important for you to get yourself out there. So I just, I would suggest to anyone that is having an issue with that or feeling uncomfortable, you have to acknowledge it and then just do it. Yeah. So social media plays clearly a role in your business, in your life, but overall, what's the role it does play? What's your relationship to social media having, as you said, grown up with it? So I think for a long time when I was at Bump Club, social media was very much a, you know, a sense of it it was where my community was for Bump Club. And, it you know, we started on Facebook. That was our first vehicle. And actually on Facebook, we had over 120,000 followers when I left and they were really engaged followers. And when you think about our original like customer, I'm 42. And so they, they still are on Facebook. And so even today, like it might not have been, you know, when I left this summer, it might not have been like brand new moms that were engaging with us on Facebook, but there were still like our OGs were still there. And like, you know, people were still very engaged on Facebook and we hosted a lot of events on Facebook. So from a business standpoint, it's always been really important for me to grow my business. That's where my community has lied. That's where my customers have lived, you know, and over time, the technical aspect of social media has allowed me a platform to get my vision out, my word out, to get mm-hmm. my information out. You know, I, I when I was at Bump Club, I learned how to host Facebook Lives and events with other people. And especially during the pandemic, we went from doing in-person events to online events. And, um, you know, I had a really steep learning curve on how to do it. And we did it very successfully. We ran a, a huge, huge seven-figure program with Target on our Facebook live platform for two years. But personally, you know, I have all, I've never been one to be shy about sharing on social media. I have always felt that it's an amazing platform for me to speak my mind. I have no problem speaking my mind. You know, I, I have a lot of people who, when I post something that might be controversial, will reach out to me through my DMS and say, oh, I so agree with you, but I just don't feel I can share that. I don't have a problem sharing how I feel yeah. or what I believe in. And that's just, that's me. You know what I mean? And that might not be everyone and that's okay, but Mm -hmm. that's me. And I have also realized that social media is an amazing way to keep in touch with people. Mm -hmm. And for me, I, I mean, I have connections and friends from all walks of my life. I, I, I hold people very close and, you know, I have people I talk to on the phone with from elementary school and preschool. Like one of my best friends is from preschool. 
So, and they don't live in Chicago. So for me, social media is also an amazing vehicle for keeping in touch and keeping up with people and keeping up with not just my network and my community, but truly my friends and family who are so important to me. And it's made things a lot easier, like launching a podcast in a new business, because I'm in touch with a lot of people and I talk to a lot of people on social (laughs) media. And so I feel so supported and that's amazing. So that's really what, you know, social media kind of has lots of different levels for me. I I find it interesting what you're saying. Um, I spoke to my coach the other day and she said things that might present challenges to you or that you may think critical about, try to turn them around and really see the opportunities in it and how you can rephrase it and so on. I'm trying to make a point here because what you have just described is the opportunity in social media. And none of what you have said now is um, kind of news, something you haven't heard before, even noticed before. We all, we all, some of us joined Facebook at some point because we wanted to be in touch with others, maybe find and reignite relationships, you know. But I also hear, and I have to say, I am one of them, quite a few voices who said, oh, you know what, sometimes I get really tired of social media hearing and seeing loads of stories where you feel, are they real? Are they not real? And and just building in those non-social media days in the week. And the way you've just spoken about it gave me this perspective of, goodness me, I forgot why I actually originally joined and how you can build some real pressure around it and how you can ignite those communities and receive support and a more flowing and organic way of extending to your community I think that is the way I want to describe it whereby when it comes to brand story and let's talk about how to build brand stories a little bit more fairly often you hear this you need to do that and that and that and you need to say that and that and that and you need to look jazzy and you need to represent that and that there's there's a lot of shoulds and need tos and if you combine that in particular in the space we operate in with all these messages around I used to have nothing in my pocket and now I run an eight-figure business and so on. It's all about this number and we may be forgetting about the actual people we want to talk to, we want to kind of get hold of. That's truly key. And as I said, let's talk about Prime Story and do share with the community here a little bit more about what you are doing day to day, how you help others and how you help them build Prime Stories. Yeah. So I day to day, in addition to, you know, my podcast and the social media stuff that I'm putting out day to day, I have clients and I help businesses to figure out what their story is, craft their story and put it out there in the world for people to see and to, to people, for people to consume. Ultimately, this helps them to grow their business. My biggest thing with brand story is that behind every brand there is a human, there is a person. And people want, especially right now, I I mean, I, I think always, but especially right now in this moment, people want to connect with people, not with brands. And even like a big brand, let's, you know, even I'll, I'll put like, like Peloton, for example. Okay. Peloton is a huge fitness company yet you know, John Foley is the founder. They talk Mm -hmm. about it all the time. He doesn't really show up as much necessarily, but he does. I mean, I've, I've heard him on, um, I've heard him on how I built this. I've heard him on other things, you know, he's not the, the product. So, you know, but they do share his founding story, but their instructors are the people that people connect with and their instructors show up every single day and share bits of their story. And then they have personalities on social media that people connect with. And so me as a consumer of Peloton, you know, I feel very connected to Jen Sherman. I feel very connected to Cody Rigsby because I follow them and I take their classes and I know them in a sense as people, right? So here's this huge behemoth company we're talking about, yet I'm still talking about connections to people. And so That is really what is important when you're figuring out your brand story is how do you infuse your story behind it? And the people who, you know, even if you're a huge company, the people who work there, how do you bring people and, you know, a sense of 
a real like realness to your brand. And I will share this too. Yesterday I interviewed a woman who started a soap company. Okay. She's literally sold soap, started it with her kit with like a kit in her house and is now a $12 million a year business. Okay. And I said to her, like, you're selling a necessity. Like everyone needs soap. You know what I mean? And like now she has lotions and candles and she's home fragrance now. The company is Apotheke. So I want to give credit where credit's due. It's Chrissy Fitchell is her name. And, you know, I said to her, like, why your soap? You know, and it came back to her and her story and her incredible story about standing at the Brooklyn Flea and selling soap on the weekends. And that to this day, people still will meet her and say, oh, my God, I bought soap from you years ago at the, because she put herself out there on yeah. soap, you know. And so that is what I think is so important when you're figuring out your brand story is really figuring out how to infuse levels of personality and personal touches and connections into your brand. It's not necessarily the packaging. The packaging helps if you have a product, but people want to buy from people. You know, they want to connect with people. They do. Absolutely. And at the same time, being okay that other people may not become your biggest fans or don't want to be a part of your community. I spoke to my um, doula a few months ago uh, who supported me so greatly through my pregnancy. It was just brilliant. You know, when you have a COVID pregnancy, you're kind of feeling a bit more alone. You don't have the things you would do if there wasn't COVID, like just meeting a midwife and whatnot and it was brilliant and she is and Sarah I love you dearly as you know she is crazy but in the most endearing wonderful way and she's on social media and she does the, the most weirdly and wonderful stuff like putting herself in a bikini and kind of mimicking other super skinny DJs in Ibiza and all of that kind of stuff. But then she connects it to her story and being real and asking for support and building this community. And I remember her saying, oh, I don't know if I should do that. And who knows what people think about me? And I'm like, oh my God, you bring some light into my household. That's for sure. I have a giggle. It gives me this wonderful feeling of, oh gosh, there's something to smile about, to endear. Um, and coming back to people connect with people, that's real, what I see. And I connect with that. And it makes me feel energized and good. And you know what? Not everyone is going to subscribe to everything you do. Exactly. And But you just described this feeling with your doula. And that's what you want people to feel. And so for every, you know, person who doesn't connect with you, there's five of you who does. And so that is something too, that is so important when you are putting yourself out there and putting your face on a brand is that not everyone is going to subscribe to you and you have to be okay with it because it can get to you. You know, I mean, I, I very distinctly remember years ago. I mean, this was, I think before Instagram, Bump Club was always about sharing all your options as a parent and letting you as a parent pick what was best for you. So we followed the American Academy of Pediatrics. We didn't say you have to breastfeed or you have to formula feed. We just kind of laid out all the options of everything. Yeah. And I remember we took money from a formula company and we were sharing about formula feeding. And guess what? I formula fed, I breastfed and I formula fed. And I felt it was very important to talk about it because I started to formula feed because I got an infection and I was, I didn't even, I wasn't producing enough milk. That was my story. And that was, you know, my thing. It wasn't for someone else to tell me to do X, Y, and Z. I, I made that decision and that was it. But in any event, I thought that it was important that we share kind of all of the options for parents and parents to be. And we had people come after me, us you know, who La Leche League people mm -hmm. who felt that we were doing a disservice by sharing, you know, options with parents. And that cut me up at night, you know, and, and that was kind of, I remember, and I share this story because that was the first time of many times that that happened. You can only imagine, you know, parenting is very, con there are controversial things that go on in parenting. So, but that first time, I, I mean, it literally kept me up at night and over time, I stopped caring because I knew that what I was doing was the right thing. 
and it was the right thing for me. And I started telling people when they would come after me for things like that, no one's forcing you to be here. Unsubscribe. And that's it. Like if yeah. they, if someone yeah. doesn't believe in what you're doing, then don't follow me, mm. but don't let it get to you. And the same thing goes with success as, as well. There are always going to be people who criticize you for what you're doing. And oftentimes they're jealous and you can't let those people get to you either. I mean, you yeah. just, you, you just can't, you have to let this stuff roll off your mm. back. If you're the face of a brand, you have to kind of pick a stance and go with it. Mm. And keep the outside noise outside. Yeah. And sometimes you won't know anyway. So you can make your choice as to whether you really want to invest your energy in finding out what people may think badly about you or your brand or invest in continuing to build your, your community and to get out there again and again and again. Yeah. yeah. And I said it exactly, exactly the same to her. Like, of course, there will be people out there who say, nah, that's not for me. But man, there is a ton of people who have subscribed who are there, who want you and want to see you. So here you go, you know, focus on those. And she does, thank God. There are two things you mentioned here today. The first one is that uh, we were talking about being bold and making those decisions, but also talking about knowing when you know. And you've obviously done a few things in your life so far at only 42 one of them being leaving a successful role in publishing, founding the business while you are pregnant and building this business to success again right away as well, which is just incredible. It wasn't right away. It took 10 years. It took, okay, it, which is still fairly fast, though. I mean, it wasn't an unsuccessful business, quite the contrary. Yeah, true. But it was a lot of hard work. I mean, it wasn't overnight. So Exactly. So here we go. Let's talk about those changes that you also initiated. And there were far more than the ones I've just mentioned. And how you made it happen. When did you know that this was the next step, for example? Yeah. So that's a really good question, Kathleen. That's a, that's a great question. So one of the things that, that I actually, I realized this recently. And so now I'm talking about it a lot because I think it's important, but I realized that in anything in my life, when I'm faced with a decision, I always ask myself, what's the worst that can happen? And if I am okay with that, what is the worst that can happen? I, it's worth the chance to me because what's the worst that can happen? Mm -hmm. So I very distinctly remember when I was leaving publishing. So when I was leaving, when I was leaving publishing, I didn't want to leave. I actually loved my job. I, I worked at Good Housekeeping and I loved it. Right before my maternity leave, my first, I didn't have a second maternity leave, but one right before my official maternity leave, I got a new boss and she, she was not so supportive of me. And over maternity leave, she called me and every, every woman on the floor at Hearst had, who was a mom had a day at home. So you worked from home for a day. And I asked for that. And she said, no, despite the fact that I was a, a leader in the sales organization. Yeah. And then she followed up with, and I know that you've started your own business. And if I ever find out that you're doing business on my time, there's going to be consequences. Well, there were, it wasn't going to be, you know, me doing business on her time. Right. I mean, I was successful for her and I was successful on my own, but it was that moment that I kind of realized. And I said to my husband, this woman's going to make my life hell. And I think that I should give this a shot. Like, I think that if there is any moment, even though I don't want to leave, because the goal was really for me to go back and try to do it both, but she made it clear she wasn't going to let me do both. And so I said to my husband, what is the worst that can happen? Mm -hmm. The worst that happens is I don't make it happen and I go find another job. I have so many connections. Who cares? Like, who cares? Yeah. And the goal was in the first year to pay for our childcare. Mm -hmm. So like we were making a really big financial decision because I had a very lucrative salary and I had a cushy job, but I also wanted to be with my child. And I felt like we could do it in the moment. Like we, we could make some changes and do it in the moment. And that's, that's what we did. And that was mm -hmm. kind of how I decided in that moment to make the change. I didn't want to leave the job, but 
I felt that I had to. And even when I, I had to, to pursue bump club. And I also had to, because of the circumstances. Mm -hmm. So I probably, even if I hadn't left, I probably would have gotten a new job in publishing because I didn't jive with this woman. You know, now in hindsight, I often in interviews, like inadvertently thank her. I don't owe anything to her, but, and I think it's really crappy. She wasn't so supportive, but you know, I, I always inadvertently thank her for being kind of a jerk because it pushed me to do what I've done. So, you know, but, and then the second time that I reinvented myself and that I decided to make this decision was a very different situation. I was not as happy. I realized that I very much wanted to work for myself again. I felt as though I was working so hard for someone else and someone else's cause at this point, even though it was my brand, Mm -hmm. I was working hard to make someone else money. And I wasn't reaping the benefits both financially and mentally, you know, and from a career standpoint that I, that I felt I should be Mm -hmm. working as hard as I was working. And it was taking a toll on me and it was taking a toll on my family. And, you know, I couldn't wake up in the morning. I didn't want to wake up in the morning. And I know what it's like to love your job so much that you jump out of bed in the morning and you're like, let's get the day going. I had it at Good Housekeeping and I absolutely did. And then I had it for years at Bump Club. I mean, years, I would be so excited to get my kids to school so that I could start my day. And I wanted that back. I I just, I wanted that feeling back. And people started reaching out to me. It, It was like probably like January, February, 2021. Brands were reaching out to me. Entrepreneurs were reaching out to me, asking to hire me for projects. And I had to say no, because I I just, I didn't have time. I was working so hard for Bump Club. I, you know, I was doing all of our content, all of our strategy, all of our social media. It was all me. I was the person doing the the community engagement on social media. Plus I was the face of the company. So I was leading all of our webinars every night and our, our Facebook lives. And it was just a lot. And I couldn't take on anything else, but these other projects were sparking a fire inside me and I wanted to do them. And so it was in that moment. And as this kind of was going on that I, that I said, you know, what's the worst that can happen? (laughs) Like, what is the worst that happens? Like it was a much bigger deal leaving bump club than it was good housekeeping because I was the face of bump club. I mean, I am always going to be the founder of bump club. It is my company that I started. And I know it was a very big shock to many when I left, but I also felt as though I was kind of past the life stage that Bump Club was serving. And it was really important for them to get more new moms and expectant moms that can actually talk about what they were going through in to lead the company versus me. I have an eight and an eight and an 11 year old. And I can do the strategy for Bump Club until the cows come home. But like, I, I just, I, there were a lot of factors, right, that kind of contributed to me leaving. But ultimately, it was my happiness and it was, serving myself instead of someone else. And I said to myself, what's the worst that can happen? And for me, what's the worst that can happen? The worst that could happen was that I would leave. No one would hire me and I'd go find a job at a company. And my husband and I agreed that someone would hire me at some point at a company, (laughs) if not, if not consulting. And that that's the worst that would happen. Mm -hmm. And the relief I felt the day that I closed my computer for the last time, knowing that I didn't have to wake up at 7 a.m. to answer DMs on our social media the next day was so freeing. And I will I will always be there to support moms and expectant moms. And I have had many people reach out to me asking me questions about baby stuff in the you know in the last six months since I've left. I will always support women, always support moms, but it was just time to move on. And I'm so glad I did. And just like the the first time, I, I don't think I'll ever look back. So I've heard you're truly listening to yourself, right? Yes. What is it you're feeling, you're experiencing right now? And when those inner voices tell us a story about, you know, is it still the right place for me? Is it time to move on? It makes sense listening to it. And you ask yourself the question, what's the worst thing that can happen? What the listeners have heard from you plenty of times before is I always add a question. That is, what's the best thing that can happen? So what gave me right away energy was when you described how you felt this, oh, yeah, this energy. I wanted to work on these other projects. They were literally lighting my fire again. And, and that's the feeling I'd love people to have. 
yeah, in the real world, it might yes. not be there every day, every moment. But come on, let's work on having it as often as possible. And, and that's the key. So if you are not making a choice, you may be missing out on an opportunity to light your fire again and yes. to feel you are literally living your life with or without the pandemic. But you feel this, yes, amazing. And I do. And, and I, for the first time in a long time, probably three years, I am waking up every morning really excited to get my day started and really excited to embrace what's coming. Everything's new and exciting. But I also, you know, I have a handful of clients and everything is new and different with them every day because none of them are the same. Mm. So that's amazing. I love that, that I'm being presented with different challenges every day, which, you know, I I don't want to say bump club wasn't challenging at the end, but I really was doing like the same thing that I had been doing for 12 years. And I also wasn't really being given the opportunity to, to do new things. And so, because they needed me to do the old things. And so I love a, like a good challenge, a puzzle. And like for me, when, when someone wants to hop on a call and like discuss their brand woes, it sucks for them. But to me, it's so exciting because it presents an opportunity to like piece a puzzle together and make something successful. Yeah. Look, you are so real. And uh, I, I 100% love it. We were talking about that in a previous conversation, you know, and we, you mentioned authenticity quite a few times in this conversation. I'd love to hear from you in your most real way. What was the most challenging, well, let's call it feedback that you have ever received that literally gave you a huge kick in the bum to say, well, that's actually motivating me. I I mean, there are definitely a a lot of things. I, the the only reason I'm going to say this is because it is fresh in my mind. So after my acquisition, when I was working for this corporation, I had to put together a presentation. And the reason that this is fresh in my mind is because I took a screen, I took a screenshot on my phone of this email that I got back about this presentation. And it came up in my time hop yesterday, like on my phone from like, it was two years ago. Mm -hmm. And the feedback was so corporate. And it was, it was one of those moments where I felt like I was in office space. And, you know, it was like, you're basically, you're not doing this correctly. And you're not following the format. And, you know, it was, and I, I am not one to shy away from asking for help or saying like, I don't understand. And I said, like, tell me what you want from me and I'll do it. Mm. And, and I said, but I, I don't understand what you want because no one's giving me explanation. I don't know the corporate language here. And the email I got back was quite nasty that was to be honest, a motivator for me to start thinking about making a change because I, I felt inherently like I just had so much to offer and I did not want to be bogged down by a corporate template. Well done. And so it took a while, obviously Mm -hmm. it was a definite green light for me. It was a, it was a red light that this is, like, whoa, whoa, whoa. But it was a green light for me in terms of, okay, probably I'm not going to be here forever. And this really isn't me. And, you know, it, it, it's not that it was wrong, but it wasn't for me. And that was kind of like my first indicator of like corporate policy. And, Mm. and it was very different than the corporate policy I was used to at Hearst. Like no one really ever spoke to anyone like that at Hearst. So I knew that it wasn't for me in that yeah. moment. And, and that was very eye-opening. And so it's interesting that you asked me this question today because I must have taken the screenshot so I would remember because often I do that. So like often if there's like a text message or something that like, you know, I, I will take a screenshot and I did, I must have taken the screenshot so I would remember. And here we are, I'm talking about it. So yeah, so that's, I, I think that was like a good kick in the butt for me to start thinking about what it is I wanted. Yeah, 100%. And it's such, a, such an important thing. it wasn't that. that. No, no, it, it clearly wasn't. And you wouldn't be here if it was, obviously. But again, it's, it's an important thing that you or message you could just conveyed in terms of, you know, I realized this is not for me. Doesn't mean it is wrong or it can't be right for anybody else. 
you know, and it's interesting because now that I'm thinking about it and I'm remembering this exchange, I remember the exchange was back and forth like multiple times. And I remember thinking to myself, like, why are we wasting so much time going back and forth over like a template from a presentation? Like if I want to step outside the template and offer a creative solution, that's why you bought me. That's why you hired me. You know, that's, I was told that in my, in, you know, the acquisition meetings, we want you, we, we don't want to change you. And so to stuff me in a box and try to fit me into a template was not something that I wanted. Yeah. I just did it. And, and some people do, and that is okay. And that's, you know, cor- yeah. much of corporate America runs like that, but it's not me. And here the question for the podcast community is who are you? What's the right step for you? What feels right? What are the changes you may want to make happen in your lives? And how can you take the first bold step towards them? These are a few questions for your own reflection that I'm going to leave you with here today. Before we come to the end, Lindsay, do share with the people who are listening to the podcast today where they can find you. Yeah, you can find me on Instagram at Lindsay Pinchuk. You can find me on my website at lindsaypinchuk.com. You can also find me on LinkedIn. And my podcast is Dear Founder. It is It launched January 6th. And there are, are four episodes up as of day one. And there will be we will be dropping at least one a week. So I hope that you'll come listen and listen to the stories of so many amazing founders and entrepreneurs who have paved the way for all of us because they absolutely are enlightening me. And I think will be enlightening to you as well. I will surely have a listen very, very soon. Thank you so much for being on the show today. We are obviously going to publish all of the links in the show notes. So do have a look if you just, you know, didn't quite catch all the details, just click on the links and there you are. Have a wonderful weekend, Lindsay, and a wonderful weekend, obviously, to everybody else. And we'll speak to you very soon. Thank you so much. And thank you for having me. Bye-bye, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to the Legendary Leaders podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, then remember to subscribe to the show either on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon Music, or on my website, www.kathleenmerkel.com. I would also love to hear from you to discover what topics you'd like to hear more about, what topics really resonated with you, and how you're enjoying the show in general. Please do leave your review on iTunes as well. It would mean the world to me. Thank you so much and speak to you again next time. Bye.